Long known for being the automobile capital of the world, Detroit is also known for their hit musical sounds from the 1960s, which was called Motown. One of the most coveted museums that people love to visit when they go to Detroit is the Hitsville Museum. It brings in tourists from all over the world. Detroit is home to a rich mix of people from all backgrounds and ethnicities. And Detroit has gone through a lot over the years, but they seem to be getting back on track as the years have gone on due to gentrification and due to the government wanting to restore Detroit to what it was in its heyday. Now, unfortunately, there is a very dark side of Detroit, and we're going to talk about that today. One of the stories that's haunted me for years, I did it when I had my news channel. It was about the Detroit freezer mom. Her name was Michelle Angela Blair. Now, the old saying goes that every child deserves a parent, but not every parent deserves a child. And a lot of people out here do not need to have children, but unfortunately, society doesn't find that out until it's too late. Michelle Blair is the epitome of that saying. And sadly, Michelle Blair herself went through a lot in her own childhood. She dealt with a lot of abuse. And instead of turning the tides around, she chose to inflict the same type of torment and abuse on her own children. So welcome to True Crime Tea Time. I'm your host, Lovely T. So haunting, so chilling. Come quick, the tea here is spilling. You want it. The councilmen discuss crimes and unsolved mysteries. It's true crime tea time. Michelle Blair was born May 10th, 1979. She was a single mother to four children. She had two daughters and two sons. Her eldest daughter was Gabrielle. The second daughter was Stoney Ann Blair. Stoney was three years younger than Gabrielle. And then came her two boys. Stephen Gage Berry was her third child and her oldest son. And her youngest son was Matthew Berry. Now the two girls had their own father and their father's name was Alexander Dorsey. The two boys had their own father and his name was Stephen Berry. Stephen Berry was the epitome of a deadbeat. After he had his two kids with Michelle, he basically split. Um, he was in and out of jail. He never came by to see the boys, never paid them any attention, really didn't care about these two boys whatsoever. But the girls' father, Alexander Dorsey, he was different. He was actually there for his daughters. He would come and see the girls. He would get the girls quite often. He would miss out on a lot of child support. It was hard for him to catch up because he himself had also done time in prison. But once he got out, he vowed to be a better father. And for years, he would see these girls. He would go and pick them up. He would go visit them. He would bring them back to his mother's house. And then all of a sudden, when he would try and come see his daughters, he was always fought with resistance. The oldest daughter, Gabrielle, would go to the door and say that, you know, mom won't let us see you right now. Mom doesn't want you to come over. Stoney is sleeping or Stoney's at the neighbor's house or Stoney went on a school trip. It was always an excuse. And soon Alexander got really frustrated with the constant excuses month after month when he came to get his two girls. And because he really 
really didn't have money to go fight in court and he didn't want to make the situation worse with Michelle because she was prone to having these horrible, you know, tantrums and putting hands on him. He decided to kind of walk away and hope that maybe in a few months she'd come back to, you know, she'd come back to her senses and allow him to start seeing his daughters again. But unfortunately for him, that was never going to happen. Now, Blair never completed high school. In 10th grade, she got pregnant with Gabrielle and she decided to basically drop out of high school at that point. So in 2015, she moved into a low income apartment complex with her four children. These apartments were on the east side of Detroit, which is kind of a rundown neighborhood. And Michelle tried her best to make ends meet by working different, you know, low end jobs. But it seemed like nothing was ever enough to just, you know, help her be able to take care of her kids. Even though her rent was subsidized, she still was not able to make ends meet. And a lot of times she would borrow money from family members. She would borrow money from her aunt and cousins and things like that. But after a while, her family got tired of supporting her. They're like, you know what? These are your kids. You know, we have our own kids to take care of. We have our own households to run. We can't continue to support you, your children, and our kids as well. So people stop giving her money. And this is how Michelle Blair ends up finding herself being evicted a short while later. Now, while the family was struggling to make ends meet, initially the kids were in school. They were in school. They had friends. They had friends in the neighborhood. But then somewhere around 2016, she pulled the kids out of school and basically told the school that she was going to homeschool these children. And around this time, a lot of kids in the neighborhood would come and knock on the door and they would ask to see Stoney or ask to, you know, play with Steven. And Michelle and Gabrielle always had an excuse. They would say that, you know, Stoney's at her dad's house or with her auntie or Steven went to his father's house. It was always an excuse for why these two kids were not around. So after a while, people just stopped asking. Even Michelle's favorite but aunt used to come and see the kids on a regular basis. But after a while, Michelle snapped on the whole family and basically said that she didn't want anybody coming to see her and her kids. She just wanted to be left alone since people couldn't help her financially. She did not want anyone coming to her home. So eventually the family, they just stopped coming by. They stopped checking on Michelle and they stopped checking on the four kids. So basically, this mountain of excuses went on for close to three years. Anytime the neighbors would say, you know, hey, where's Steven? You know, when's his birthday party? You haven't had a party for him in a while. Or where's Stoney? They were always met with some type of weird resistance and some type of excuse. So like I said, after a while, people just stopped asking. They just assumed maybe these kids, you know, got taken away by the fathers and, you know, they're living with their dads and that was it. It was not until Michelle was evicted from her apartment that the gruesome truth came out. So Michelle at this point in time had lost her job and she literally had no way to pay her rent. So in 2016, they begin the eviction process. A group of movers from the 36th District Court came to Michelle's apartment to basically a victor. And when they arrived there, neither Michelle or her children were home at the residence. So they started the eviction process. They went into the bedrooms first and they started moving the furniture, beds, clothing. And mind you, this home was filthy. It was very, very dirty. There were roaches everywhere. It was not a fit living situation, but they have ran across cases like this before. 
once people know that they're going to lose their housing, sometimes people, they just stop caring. So they're going through all this trash. They're emptying everything out. And so by the time they get done with the rooms, they get done moving out the couches. The only thing left in the home is a deep freezer. So the eviction crew, they walked up to this big deep freezer that was in the living room. And so they wanted to check and make sure that there was no food in there. Because a lot of times when you're moving deep freezers, they're heavy enough. So most of the time you want to take all the food out so it's easier to move so as they open it they're thinking they're about to find a bunch of freezer items like food and peas and you know chicken and things like that to their horror and dismay they open it up and they see a bag it's a big black plastic bag so they're like what could be in this big plastic bag so they go ahead and they open it and to their shock and horror they find a body a body of a young girl so at this point they freak out they just, you know, they drop the bag, they close the freezer, they go running out the house because they're scared now. Like, what the hell is this? There's a human body in this deep freezer. And so they immediately call the police. So the police get there and they start investigating. So as the police are investigating and they're going through the deep freezer and they're pulling out the body of this young girl there's something else that's still in this bag. And once they end up opening up the bag even more, they discover a second body of another young child. So at this point, the police and the movers, they're shocked, they're horrified. They were not expecting to find this. So now the police put out an APB for Michelle Blair. They're looking for her. They start knocking on all the apartment doors. They're asking neighbors, have you seen Michelle? Have you seen the other children? What is going on? Where is she at? So then finally neighbors pointed up above and they said, well, Michelle is upstairs babysitting. She's babysitting one of the neighbor's kids because she really didn't want to be a part of the eviction process. She didn't want to be embarrassed in front of her, you know, the last two kids. So she decided to take Gabrielle and Matthew upstairs with her to go babysit. So the police, they go to the door, they knock on the door. Michelle ends up opening the door and they arrest her on the spot. Now, what's interesting is that she took Gabrielle and Matthew with her to go babysit somebody else's children because she didn't want to be embarrassed by the eviction, but she wasn't embarrassed with the fact that she has two dead bodies in a deep freezer. It's like that just never came across her brain. You don't want to be embarrassed by being evicted, but you're not embarrassed for them to find your two beloved children in a deep freezer. This is crazy. She couldn't even watch her own kids couldn't barely feed her own kids, couldn't pay her rent, but got the nerve to be babysitting somebody else's children. It just shows that this woman is not all there. So now at this time, a lot of rumbling is going through the apartment complex. Her daughter, Gabrielle, is now 18 years old and Matthew is now nine years old. And so now all the neighbors are talking and they're starting to put two and two together. And they're thinking to themselves, it's interesting that we've seen Gabrielle, we've seen Matthew throughout the past three years, but whatever happened to Stoney and what happened to Steven? And at that point, a lot of neighbors started putting two and two together and they were assuming that those two bodies found in the deep freezer were the bodies of their siblings. So the only way that the community could know for sure who those bodies belonged to, the two bodies were taken to the morgue. And unfortunately, because they had been frozen for so long, they had to leave the bodies out for three days straight in order for the bodies to melt and basically unfreeze. And once they did, they were able to go in and do DNA testing and check you know, their jaws and everything. And it was confirmed that yes, indeed, this was Stoney Ann Blair and her young brother, Steve. Stephen Barry. 
they were the bodies that were found in the deep freezer. Now, what was more disturbing is, as they looked over these bodies, they found a lot of bruising on these babies. There were cigarette burns. There were lacerations. There were whip burns. These kids were clearly abused and tortured. This is everything that the autopsy was showing. They said that Stephen was killed from thermal injuries and multiple blunt force trauma to his body. They stated that Stoney was killed from multiple blunt force trauma as well. They declared that both of these babies babies were killed by homicide, that it wasn't an accident. The autopsy also basically concluded that these kids had been in that deep freezer for close to three years. You know, at that point when that information came out, it started making sense to a lot of people in the neighborhood because around that time was really when they last saw Stoney or Steven. And that was also around the last time that the father saw his daughter as well. And he took this really hard. He was on the news crying. He was very upset. It was a lot going on. The community was literally left devastated. Once they realized what happened to these children that so many people have been asking about over the past few years. Dorsey insists tonight he couldn't have prevented her death. Hurt in my ass. She, she went over there. She said, right there. So while the neighbors were busy leaving balloons and toys and things like that on the stoop of where those babies were found, Michelle was just as arrogant as ever. She admitted to everything. And this is what Michelle told detectives during her interrogation. Michelle says, they are both dead and I did it. Soon after that, she was taken to trial and her justification for why she killed both of these children were that they were supposedly, allegedly abusing her youngest son, Matthew. So she says what happened is that back in 2012, she's basically just walking around the house, not cleaning, of course. She saw Matthew, the youngest, who was six at the time, playing with the doll really sexually. He was doing a lot of sexually explicit things on a doll. She said, did somebody do this to you? Why are you doing this to your dolls? And she said that Matthew told her that that is what Steven does to him when nobody's home. Now, according to Michelle, she said that Matthew then told her all of this graphic sexual stuff that Stephen would do to him every chance that he got. And this was very disturbing because again, this child is six years old. So he should not have any type of idea. He should not know anything about sex. So instead of Michelle trying to get help, you know, calling social services, you know, maybe calling over family members, trying to get to the bottom of this, she turns all of her anger onto Stephen Barry. Now, what's very disturbing, she inflicted so much torture onto this baby, it's ridiculous. So she goes upstairs to confront Stephen. And, you know, of course, like any kid, he's saying, no, I didn't do that. He has no idea what's going on. Like, mom, what are you talking about? And so she just begins punching him. This kid is nine years old. She's punching on him like a grown man. She's, you know, hitting him in the head. She's kicking him. She's really giving this child a brutal beating like she's never given him before. And because she's beating him so much and he's crying, Stephen finally admits to it. And I'm using air quotes because I don't think either one of these children did anything. Think about it like this. When you're being attacked viciously, unprovoked, and you're a child, 
and the person is beating you mercilessly and saying, admit to what you did. If you admit to what you did, I'll stop hitting you. I believe that's what Michelle told him. If you admit to sexually abusing your brother, the abuse that I'm inflicting on you will stop. Would anybody under duress, anyone being abused, anyone being threatened, you're eventually going to admit to something even if you didn't do it. And I believe that's what happened, is that Stephen, under duress, torture, and abuse, admitted to sexually molesting Matthew because of what the mother was putting him through. It was a form of survival for not only him, but later on his sister Stoney as well. Now on top of punching and beating him, she also put a garbage bag over his head and she kept it over his head until he fainted. Then she revived him. He came back too. Then she proceeded to take a belt and tie it around Stephen's neck and she held him up like a fucking dog. With the belt around his neck, she held him up and he's squirming. He's trying to take the belt off his neck. He's trying to breathe. And while she's lifting him up and she's laughing at him, she's saying, do you like how that feels? Do you like being choked with a belt? You choked my son and you raped my son. Now I'm going to do the same thing to you that you did to Matthew. And the whole time Stephen is squirming. He's trying to take the belt off his neck. He's trying to breathe. You know, he's crying. And she eventually just drops him like trash. And she walks out the room. So while Stephen is laying on the ground, once again unconscious, she comes back into the room the next day. She ends up telling him to take off all of his clothing. So Stephen takes off all his clothes. He climbs into the bathtub. And Michelle knows that her water in her apartment gets extremely scalding hot. She makes this baby stand in the bathtub. And she starts pouring hot boiling, scalding tap water on this baby's genitals. And the boy is just screaming in pain. He's crying and she's continuing to just splash water, hot, boiling, scalding water on his genitals. It was so bad that even during the autopsy, they said his whole genital area was basically burnt off. It was just nothing but just piles of just, you know, rotted flesh that this boy went through a lot of torture. I can only imagine the other children that are left in the home, the oldest daughter, Gabrielle, and the youngest brother, Matthew, they're listening to this torture. They're hearing all of this. They're hearing their sibling. And at this point, Stoney's also alive. They're all hearing this. There's nothing they can do to stop their crazy mother from torturing their sibling. She sat there and burnt that boy so bad that he had third degree burns from his waist down, meaning his waist, hips, genital area, thighs, third degree burns from the water. So Blair says that she put him through a lot of this torture because of the graphic details of what Matthew told her that Stephen did to him. So the judge asked Michelle, they said, Michelle, you did all this, you know, horrendous stuff to your son. Are you sure that you didn't mean to kill him? And Michelle says, no, I didn't mean to kill Stephen. I just wanted to torture him. He wasn't supposed to die. I wanted to teach him a lesson. Now, if this was not enough, this evil, sadistic mother, on top of beating this boy, scaling him with hot water, not feeding him, 
she also forced him to drink Windex. And of course, him drinking the Windex made him severely ill. He started throwing up everywhere. He was feeling very, very sick. He was having diarrhea. He was begging his mom to stop. But she claims that she made Stephen drink Windex because Stephen made Matthew drink Windex as well. And that she was going to treat Stephen how Matthew told her that Stephen treated him. Stephen was tortured continuously for two weeks straight. And sadly, on August 30th of that year, he succumbed to his torture. Michelle went into his room and she saw the boy laying there on the ground. He had once again vomited. And so he asked his mom, he says, I have to use the bathroom. And she picked him up. And at this point, he's super frail. He can barely walk. He's been tortured for two weeks. He's dealing with infections because, again, remember, he has third-degree burns on his body. She takes him to the bathroom, and as she brings him back to the room, she's noticing that his breathing is getting labored. It's getting harder and harder for him to breathe. But does she call the ambulance? Does she try and get this baby any type of help? Does she feel any remorse? Absolutely not. She lays him back down on the floor, and she basically watches her son take his last breath. Now, poor Stephen was only nine years old. Now, she claims that she didn't mean to kill him. She just wanted to teach him a lesson. The blunt force trauma, her beating and kicking him and scalding him, that's way more vast than any lesson that that child needed to learn. And after she did all this, like I said, she didn't call the ambulance. She didn't try and get him any help. She basically wrapped him up in his favorite blanket and she took the body downstairs and she put him in the freezer. Now she claims that after she put him in the deep freezer, she felt remorseful and she wanted to turn herself in. But then when she talked to Matthew, and mind you, Matthew is six years old, right? So just remember this, she's having a conversation with a six-year-old, not a 16-year-old. So she asks her six-year-old, she was like, you know, your brother's dead. I think I need to turn myself into the police. And Matthew tells his mother, allegedly, because I don't believe anything that comes out of Michelle's mouth, but Matthew tells his mother, no, don't call the police. They'll they'll split us up. They'll take you away from me. You know, I don't want you to go to jail. So because Matthew told her that, she then decided she wasn't going to turn herself in. She wasn't going to call the police. She was just going to go on, you know, with life as usual and continue taking care of her remaining three children. So now in her mind, she saved her son Matthew from this hideous abuse that he was facing, you know, under his brother Stephen. When nine months after that, all of a sudden, Matthew pipes up again and says that Stoney is now abusing him. You know, Stoney's his new abuser. She hasn't learned the lessons from her brother who was killed. Now she's decided to now victimize Matthew, which to me just makes absolutely no sense. Imagine these three children being forced into these conditions. They're hearing the little brother screaming and pleading for help. All of these kids know that the brother is in the deep freezer. So instead of quote unquote learning from Stephen's mistake, she wants us to believe that Stoney now wants to be the perpetuator. You know what I mean? She now wants to start sexually abusing Matthew. So what? So she can end up killed too? It just doesn't make any sense. But allegedly, Matthew told her that Stoney was now abusing him. So now Michelle felt the need to teach Stoney a lesson. So Stoney basically got the same treatment. She went into Stoney's room to confront her and ask her about abusing Matthew. And of course, Stoney denied it. And she just started wailing on Stoney, punching her, kicking her. She put a bag over Stoney's head as well until Stoney passed out. When Stoney came to, she also 
quote unquote, admitted to abusing Matthew. And like I stated, I don't believe that either one of these children abused their sibling. I think it was a form of protection. These children are being beat on. They're being abused. So what can they say to stop their torment, but admit to their tormentor that they're guilty of what they're being accused of? And I believe that was the same thing. This was a form of self-preservation for these children. And they thought that that would be enough to get their mother off of them. But sadly, it wasn't. Now with Stoney, her death was a little bit quicker. She didn't play this out for the next two weeks. She would beat on Stoney, put hands on her, cuss her out. You know, she wouldn't feed her. And then eventually she just got tired of looking at Stoney's face. And she put a bag over Stoney's head and she watched Stoney just die. Stoney basically suffocated to death. And when the judge asked her, did you mean to kill Stoney? She said, I sure did. With just pride, conviction, she had no remorse. She knew that this was no accident. She went in there to kill Stoney. That was her plan from day one. When she decided to confront Stoney, she knew that Stoney had no chance in getting away from her. She knew that she was going to kill Stoney when she started the torture of Stoney and Blair. Now, the saddest part is that Stoney was 13 when she died. You can tell she has some type of animosity and hate towards Stoney. She had her oldest daughter, Gabrielle, basically grab Stoney's body, wrap it, and put it in a big trash bag, and put Stoney in the freezer. Now, with Stephen, remember, she wrapped him up in his favorite blanket, and she placed him in the freezer. With Stoney's death, she made her sister do it. I can only imagine what Gabrielle went through. Not only hearing her little brother's torture and abuse and death, but now the same thing happening nine months later with her little sister. And now she's being forced to wrap up the body and put it in a deep freezer. And Michelle just felt no remorse. She felt no guilt. She even told the judge, Stoney ruined my son, Matthew. So she had to die. I definitely meant to kill her. So it just shows you how twisted and crazy this woman is. So now fast forward two and a half years. Steven had been in that freezer almost three years. Stoney had been in that freezer two and a half years. And if it wasn't for this eviction, they could have probably been in there for the rest of their life. Who knows? But while she was on trial, she felt proud. She felt no remorse. And her whole thing is that she was trying to protect her youngest son, Matthew, from, you know, this sexual abuse that was being inflicted on him by these two siblings. And that basically Stoney deserved to die. Stephen's death was an accident. She should be okay to have done them this way because she was protecting another child. She also refused to claim these two children that she killed. She says, I don't call them my son or daughter. They meant nothing to me. She says she has two children. That's it. She called both Stoney and Steven two demons. So now what's very disturbing about this situation is that we go from a family of five people down to a family of three. Michelle and her other two children are basically forced to just go through life as normal. None of these kids are in school, so it's not like she enrolled the last two in school. They're still, quote unquote, being homeschooled by her. They barely ever go outside. They're basically stuck in this house 
24-7 with the dead bodies of their siblings. And I can only imagine the psychological effects it had on them. You know, even when there was like a little bit of normalcy, or maybe around the holidays, maybe around Thanksgiving, and then you would just glance at the freezer and know that your siblings are in there and there's nothing you can do. And at that point, Gabrielle is even quoted as saying that she was just numb. She didn't even know what to think, what to feel. She just felt like she was living in a nightmare. And she was just trying her best to just, you know, to survive, just continuing day to day, but knowing about the horror that's taking place in her own home. Well, now during the trial, even though Michelle was pretty honest about what she did to these kids, Michelle was also caught in a lot of lies. Now she claimed that when she first heard about the abuse that Matthew was telling her, that she called the police to find out about what she could do in a situation when you have siblings abusing another siblings. They searched all the records that year. They didn't find any 911 calls. They didn't find any calls to the police from Michelle Blair. So she was lying right there. Now, on top of that, CPS also got involved. And so they interviewed Matthew. Um, he was also checked out by a doctor. And it revealed there was absolutely no sexual abuse. There was no sexual trauma to his genitals. There were no sexual trauma to his anal area. You know, they had to do a whole medical examination because Michelle was regurgitating all of this horrific stuff that Matthew went through. So if he was getting things shoved up him and just being tortured down there, there would have been evidence of this. And when he went under an entire medical examination, they found absolutely nothing. So once again, proving that these two innocent children, they didn't harm their brother. They didn't do anything to their brother. And if they confessed, they confessed under duress, not under guilt. Now, what was interesting is that supposedly she's trying to protect Matthew from these two quote unquote demons. But as they look further into Michelle's background, they found out that in 2002, there were CPS calls made on Michelle because at that time she was abusing both Stoney and Gabrielle. CPS had investigated claims because both these girls were spotted having cigarette burns on the back of their hands and they were really little back then. CPS found that these claims were valid, but whatever action CPS took, nobody knows. Nobody knows if they ever took the girls out the house, if they got any type of medical treatment. It's like everything fell through the cracks. Now on top of this, fast forward a few years later, in February of 2005, both of the girls were visiting their father, Alexander Dorsey, and the aunt was giving the girls a bath and the aunt noticed all these whip marks on the back of both of these girls. Really bad whip marks, you know, wasn't just a spanking, it was scarring, there were bruises. So at that point, the auntie alerted the father. The father called CPS back in 2005. This was three years after the original CPS case on these same girls having cigarette burns on their hands. So now the father is trying to do his due diligence. He's calling CPS, but guess what? nothing comes of it. So if this was back in 2005 and Matthew may or may not have been born, I'm not sure because he was so young by the time all this took place, you were already abusing these girls and have been caught not once but twice. These were just the two times she was caught. So imagine how much torture and you know so-called discipline that these girls were being subjected to way before this whole sexual abuse allegation that took place in 2015. And upon speaking to a lot of the relatives, they said that Michelle was very very strict on her children. She really didn't allow them to go out anymore and play like they used to. She would talk down to them. 
you know, they would get spankings and things like that from what they saw. But one thing that was very interesting is as strict as she was, she didn't do anything as a mother. She barely fed them. The house was always a mess. You know, she wants her kids to be disciplined. Meanwhile, she has no discipline herself to keep her home clean and to do what she needs to do as a mother, which is just really, really sad. Now, the final thing that kind of sealed the deal for Michelle is that she claimed that she was trying to protect Matthew from these two kids. Well, upon further investigation. They didn't find any sexual abuse on Matthew, but you know what they did find on Matthew's body? Welts, whip marks, cigarette burns. So it's very interesting that this child that she claimed that she was trying to protect from these demonic siblings, she herself was abusing that child. She was beating on him, putting cigarette butts out on him, whipping him. But you claim that you're protecting him. What kind of protection is this? So they caught up in so many lies that her defense of why she killed these two children, it just basically crumbled before her eyes. Her defense was bullshit. She knew why she killed those children. She killed them because she wanted to kill them. I really believe that she, the reason why she killed a child from each baby's father, because remember, she had two kids by two different men. I believe she wanted to punish each father. And she basically just rolled the dice or decided whatever child was getting on her nerves that day. And that's why she picked these two kids. She picked the younger child of the first baby's father, maybe because he was closer with that one, who knows? And she picked the older child of the second baby's father. Because maybe that child, you know, probably remembered the father more. They had more relationship because by the time the second one came, he was gone. But I really believe that that is the real reason why she killed these children was to pay back the fathers for abandoning her, for not really helping her. And the fact that Alexander Dorsey had more relationship with his daughters than he did with her, it seemed like that also really, really bothered her as well. Matthew's body had over 25 marks on him. There were extension cord marks, belt marks. Gabriel, the older sibling, she had the same welts, the same extension cord beatings, the same belt beatings on her body as well. So she was continuing to abuse both of her remaining children even after killing the last two kids. Now, Gabriel said that after she watched her two siblings be killed, she became Matthew's protector. And a lot of times she would jump in when the mother would be beating Matthew. She would jump in and take the hits for him or try and protect him. She also stated that after the killing of her sister, she just became numb. She became numb to everything. She just was like a shell of herself. And so this situation really affected them psychologically, her and her brother. You know, and I think the saddest thing too is that she claimed that she did this to protect her youngest child. Gabriel had never been accused of anything. Matthew, remember, never accused Gabriel. So why was she being abused? If you're supposedly trying to protect this young boy, you know, why were you beating on her? I think at the end of the day, this woman had deep-seated mental issues and all of this was a lie concocted in her head. Now, the sad thing about the Michelle Blair situation is that she herself was a very abused child and her mother did not protect her. Her mother knew that her boyfriend was sexually molesting her and sexually abusing her. And her mother just basically told Michelle, okay, well, what do you want me to do about that? She never went out her way to protect her child. Now, upon further investigation, they were able to come up with two theories as to what might've gone on in Michelle's mind. 
mind to have her, you know, think the worst of the worst of her children. One of the theories is that back in 2006, Stoney and Gabrielle's grandfather, um, who is Alexander Dorsey's father, there have been rumors that he had molested a few of his granddaughters. So they're saying that Dorsey Sr. was accused of raping many of his granddaughters. One time while the girls were visiting their father, the grandfather was also there. During the visit, the grandfather slept on the floor of the living room in which the girls were sleeping. Once she found out about the grandfather potentially molesting, you know, his own granddaughters, and there was never any proof that he had molested these two particularly, but there were many rumors that he was molesting others. And so she didn't want her children anywhere near that home if the grandfather was going to be there. And if the father, Alexander Dorsey, could not keep his father away from there, she, after that, forbade the girls to go back over there. So at that point, that's when she would invite Alexander to come to the house and come visit the girls as opposed to the girls going to Alexander's house. So what they're saying is that if the molestation accusation was true, maybe the reason why these kids may have been touching on each other is because they may have been molested by the grandfather as well. That was one of the theories, but I really don't believe that. I do not think that these kids were molesting or touching on their younger brother whatsoever. But the second theory goes is this. They're saying that Michelle probably suffered a lot of PTSD from the sexual abuse that she went through as a child. Again, when she would tell her mother about her mother's boyfriends, it was many different boyfriends that her mother had over the years that sexually abused Michelle. And when she would tell her mother, her mother would basically tell her, okay, well, what do you want me to do about the situation? So Michelle never, ever felt protected by her mother. And soon, you know, she started getting into her own relationships. She got pregnant in the 10th grade. Her mother just never cared about her. Her mother just kind of left her by the wayside. And so what they believe may have happened is that she had good intentions initially by explaining to her children what happened to her when she was a child. And maybe she got too graphic in nature when talking to her young children about the sexual abuse that she went through. Because a lot of the sexual abuse that she told the authorities that she went through basically mirrored a lot of what Matthew was telling her that he was going through. So what they're thinking might have happened is that basically Matthew was just basically parroting and regurgitating the stories that she had told her children prior and that it wasn't what he was going through. He's just regurgitating what she had told them. So they're thinking that that might have been what kind of triggered her and caused her to go off the deep end. Either way, the entire case is just, it's heartbreaking. It's extremely sad. These children didn't even get a chance to really live their life. Now, in June of 2015, the court found her guilty on murder for both of her children, and she was sentenced to life in prison. And since then, that's not where it's ended. Michelle has been, you know, in and out of court. She's been very belligerent in the jail. She was accused of kicking and hitting on an officer. She was accused of throwing feces on an officer. So recently, about two years ago, she had to go to court in 2020 to face these new charges. So this was, I believe, in 2019, 2020, that she went to court. She was facing three felony charges. So they ended up giving her an additional eight to 10 years on top of her life sentence. So they're not playing with Michelle. You know, while she was able to run her children ragged and make their lives a living hell, the same thing is happening to her right now in prison. She basically spends most of her time in solitary confinement because she's very defiant and has no respect for anyone. So she's where she definitely needs to be. Now there is a small happy 
happy ending in this horrific case. Both of the children were removed out of that situation and they ended up living with their aunt. Now their aunt, the one that would come to visit them. Now, funny enough, she was a retired police officer who dealt with child abuse cases. So yeah, it's kind of ironic that she didn't sense anything going on, but okay. She ended up getting custody of the children. They had basically stripped Stephen Barry Sr.'s parental rights away. But Alexander Dorsey, he ended up getting his parental rights. They were trying to take him from him and he fought and he was able to win his parental rights. So eventually the oldest daughter, Gabrielle, got a chance to go live with her father. And he was super ecstatic. She graduated high school in 2017. She's now in college and doing a lot better. The young brother, Matthew, continues to live with the aunt and they said he's doing a lot better as well. Gabrielle is also living on her own. So she has own apartment and she's doing really well for herself right now she's just hanging in there and trying to take life one day at a time I hope her and her brother are receiving the counseling and the care that they truly need because I can only imagine the toll that this took on their mental health so hopefully they are still continuing counseling and getting the help that they need now sadly with this whole situation you would think that it would end there If you guys do not know, this year in Detroit, there was another case of a young woman who killed her three-year-old child and put her child in a freezer. And they're calling her the Freezer Mom 2.0. On June 24th, a welfare check was called on a home on the west side of Detroit. A lot of people looked at this home, it was very run down. They saw a lot of poor living conditions. So people decided to call CPS. And as CPS went in there to check on the mother of the home, her name was Azardine. France. They also went to check on the children and the children in the home looked very malnourished. They weren't well taken care of. And they went to see what type of food was in the home for these kids. And upon their surprise, as they opened the deep freezer, they found the body of a three-year-old and his name was Chase Allen. They had declared the little boy's death a homicide. There were five other children living in the home and they basically went through a very similar torture to what Michelle Blair inflicted on her children. And so they had been living in this house for quite some time with the body of their little brother in a deep freezer. So this is just really disturbing that, you know, years later, somebody else in Detroit does the same thing to their innocent child. So this case is sad, but the good thing is that Michelle is locked up and the second Freezer Mom 2.0 is also locked up and her children are in a way better situation. But it just makes me think, like, do you ever really know your neighbors? Do you ever really know what type of dark secrets that they hold? And the fact that people are being convicted of killing their kids and putting them in deep freezers. The whole Michelle Blair situation surprised so many And so for it to happen again in 2022 is crazy. And it also just goes to show us that there's a lot of holes in our legal system. This woman was investigated by CPS not once but twice. Imagine if CPS would have actually did their job back then and taken these little girls out of that home maybe all of these kids would be okay, would be alive and thriving to this day. We definitely have to hold CPS and these agencies accountable. Like when there's real abuse, do real investigation because kids' lives matter. So it's just really sad, but I hope people learn a lesson from this to take things seriously because the father even tried to call CPS and his calls were ignored. So once again, thank you guys so much for taking time out to tune into True Crime Tea Time. Go ahead and leave a comment down below. Let me know your thoughts on this case. How do you guys feel about this? Enjoy the rest of your day.
and stay safe. Bye. So haunting, so chilling. Comfort, the tea here is spilling. You wanted to come to me. Discussing crimes and unsolved mysteries. It's true crime tea time. dark history. It's true crime tea time.